At his first national prayer breakfast as president of the United States, Donald Trump said he will, quote, get rid of and totally destroy the Johnson Amendment. That provision of the tax code, the Johnson Amendment, prevents houses of worship, like other not-for-profit organizations, from directly or indirectly participating in political campaigns. The law has been in effect since 1954, when it was introduced by then-Senator Lyndon Johnson, and repealing it would require an act of Congress. Here to talk with us about the Johnson Amendment and its possible future are uh, Alan Brownstein, a professor at UC Davis School of Law, and Miriam Galston, a professor at George Washington University Law School. Alan, the Johnson Amendment has been around now for a very long time. Uh, churches seem to be able to participate in some political activities, but it prohibits them from being in campaigns. What exactly are the parameters of the Johnson Amendment? The Johnson Amendment prohibits 5013C organizations, and those are nonprofit organizations that get very favorable tax exempt status. Uh, it prohibits them from endorsing political candidates, uh, participating in a political campaign for any candidate for political office. Uh, if they do that, uh, in theory, they could lose their tax exempt status. Um, uh, on the other hand, it should be clear that uh, this provision of the tax code is very, very loosely enforced. It's very unusual for the IRS to go after uh, a religious organization on the grounds that they are unacceptably, impermissibly participating in a political campaign. Miriam, to that point, since 2008, pastors have openly defied the law on Pulpit Freedom Sunday. And many participating pastors even send their sermons to the IRS afterward. Only one has been audited by the IRS and none punished, according to the Washington Post. So what would be the impact of taking this law away? The impact uh, could be great. The setup that you had incorrectly stated what the uh, Johnson Amendment does it prohibits participation in political campaigns by all charities, uh, churches, other religious organizations, or any kind of charity, the Sierra Club, AARP's uh, charitable entity. So it would have an impact not just on uh, churches, which, as you pointed out, um, in connection with which the prohibition is not enforced lately, although uh, the IRS used to audit churches and religious organizations, they don't anymore, but they still do audit other charities that uh, engage in politics. A Alan, to, to that point, uh, is there, it's not totally clear what the president is looking at, but can, the, the, can churches be exempted from these requirements without also exempting those other charitable organizations? I think if you try to amend the tax code to permit uh, churches, religious organizations to engage in partisan political activity, uh, but continue to apply the provision against secular charitable organizations, that would raise very serious constitutional concerns. Uh, it could be a violation of either the free speech clause of the First Amendment or the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. I mean, basically, a tax exemption is a subsidy. 
and it's been interpreted by the courts to be a form of subsidy. And while the government generally has considerable discretion in determining which private organizations or activities it would choose to subsidize, um, there's a pretty strong argument that it can't do that in a viewpoint discriminatory way. That is to say, it couldn't decide only to subsidize Democrats and our Republicans. It couldn't decide only to subsidize right-wing but not left-wing speakers or organizations. Um, and there's a long line of Supreme Court authority that has determined that religion is a viewpoint of speech. So there'd be a pretty persuasive argument that if you limited the ability of secular nonprofits to engage in partisan political activity, but permitted religious speakers and expressive organizations to do so, that you'd be violating the free speech clause of the First Amendment. And there's also an argument that doing so would violate the Establishment Clause. And again, we have some case precedent, precedent that says that if you give an exemption, a tax exemption to religious speakers, in that case it was a religious publisher, but you don't give comparable tax exemptions to secular publishers, that that would violate the Establishment Clause. I'm Michael Best with June Grasso and Greg Storr. This is Bloomberg Law, and we are talking about the Johnson Amendment, which prohibits uh, not-for-profit entities, including religious organizations, from participating in political campaigns. Uh, the president says that he will destroy it, in his words, because, in his view, it prevents clergy from speaking freely on politics and without fear of retribution. We're talking to Alan Brownstein of the UC Davis School of Law and Miriam Galston of George Washington University Law School. Alan, one of the things that is interesting here is that people make donations to not-for-profit entities and they get a tax deduction, whereas for political donations, they don't get that tax deduction. What would be the implications of allowing, in, in the context of campaign contributions, what would be the implications of allowing um, not-for-profits like churches to speak out in political campaigns? Well, if you repealed the Johnson Amendment and allowed all 501c3 organizations to commit essentially an unlimited amount of their resources to political campaigns, you would essentially make donations for the election of political candidates tax-deductible. Um, and that raises two concerns. One is you know, tax deductions for charity are only valuable to donors who itemize on their tax returns who basically earn enough income to take advantage of these deductions. So what you would be doing is creating a two-tier system. Americans who are wealthy enough to take charitable de uh, deductions would be able to contribute more money, more after-tax money, uh, to political candidates and campaigns than would less wealthy uh, Americans with lower incomes who can't take advantage of charitable uh, deductions. The other uh, consequence uh, of this repeal would be that you would simply infuse more money into election campaigns. If someone donated $1,000 during the last election campaign, either for Hillary Clinton or for Donald Trump, um, if they could, and that donation would not be tax deductible under current rules. Um, if you repeal the Johnson Amendment, uh, they could donate $1,400 uh, 
to a 5013C organization that was going to use all of that money for electoral campaigning. Uh, and you've increased the amount that they could contribute to political campaigns by 35 40%. So, you know, if you think that there really isn't enough private money in politics and in elections, and it would be good to have a great deal more money uh, being contributed to election campaigns, um, then you might support this repeal. Miriam, what's your take on Miriam, what's your take on this? I mean, are we create, potentially creating it almost sounds like this whole new category of uh, super duper packs here? Well, I agree with Alan that money would shift uh, from C4s and from uh, 527s to 501C3s if the Johnson Amendment uh, were repealed. But I have uh, two caveats that are important. One is that in order to be entitled to a charitable exemption in the first place, um, an entity has to have a charitable mission. And it cannot have even one uh, substantial non-charitable purpose, even one uh, substantial uh, non-charitable purpose, and it's no longer entitled to the exemption. Furthermore, um, it's also the case that if a charity provides more than a small amount of private benefit, it would um, also no longer be entitled to tax exemption. So the idea that um, money could flow as freely through a charity as it would flow through a uh, PAC, I think, is um, exaggerated. The second point I wanted to make is that um, the main, although not the only, bill that's been introduced to date was by Steve Scalise, and it's, it's called Legislation to Repeal the Johnson Amendment. But when you read it, you see it's extremely narrowly crafted. Uh, organizations, uh, charitable organizations, are only permitted to engage in political uh, speech in the ordinary course of the organization's regular and customary activities in carrying out its charitable purpose, um, and if any expenditure is only de minimis. So what that means is, at least um, if this is the kind of proposal for repeal that would get enacted, a, 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 a um, pastor could make comments from the pulpit um, as long as they uh, were part of a sermon, but not hold a special event at the church to promote one or another candidate. 